All right, guys, we want to bring up another sponsor of ours. It is Kelsey Picker Realtor with Keller Williams Coastal Area Partners. And if you need to buy or sell property anywhere in the United States, go to kelseypicker.kw.com. And her information will be at the bottom of that page or reach out to us at any of our social media pages or our email. And we will be happy to put you in touch. <laughs> Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a mean machine and red and black. It's a mean machine and red and black. What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. On this episode, we're going to play a little catch up and uh, be talking about recruiting after the big last few weeks on that front. And we are finally going to get to baseball coaches that we'd like to see come lead the Diamond Dogs from this point forward. And at the end of the episode, we are going to honor some fallen service members for Memorial Day. I know it has passed, but better a few days late than uh, than not at all. So we're going to do that tonight. But before we get to all of that, how was your weekend and what are you drinking? Um, weekend was great. School's over. Like Summer vacation finally started. The fucking payoff for <laughs> all the, the mental anguish that I've gone through the last 180 day, 190 days, or however many days it's been uh, for the school year. But uh, moving into a different position next year, I found out like right as you know, I was walking out the door from my school on Thursday. So I'm going to be doing, moving to PE. So everybody's dream job. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Big time. Going to be educating some physicals. Hell yeah, we talking about sex ed and all that fun shit. I've done that before. Not, not nearly. How as, much sex ed are you going to be doing at elementary school? Well, it's it is it's kindergarten through eighth grade, so at least like seventh oh. eighth. We'll talk about it. Oh, okay. but yeah, I I hope I want to be talking about it with elementary. That'd be fucking weird. But yeah, I don't know. I've never done it, so yeah. we'll see. Society gets weird. <laughs> But um, I'm still working on the the vodka that I was been working on the last few weeks. So nothing, nothing too crazy, nothing too good. I'm almost done with it. Uh, how about you? Nah, man. Weekend weekend was super cool. We on Friday went to the Tybee Island wine mixer. A friend of mine's got a restaurant called Sea Wolf out on Tybee. They have uh, Wagyu beef hot dogs. So Ooh, okay. I mean, the food is amazing. They were actually on uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives at some point in the last month. But um, Tybee Island Wine Mixer, they had an ice sculpture of a wolf where there was a hole from the wolf's mouth to its ass that they did shots out of. So your boy was taking free tequila shots out of a wolf's ass on Friday night. That is a um, little bit different than than how I envisioned it when you uh, when you texted that to me. Like, oh, wolf. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, like it was an ice sculpture of a wolf <laughs> with with a liquor luge cut into it. And that, that was cool. Um, but Sunday we went to the beach for a few hours, just kind of hung out. Or I guess that was yesterday. I don't know. I'm not used to having weekends this long. Right. I, I, I don't know. But tonight I am drinking some horse soldier barrel proof bourbon. And there's actually a really cool story behind this company itself. 
So if you ever seen the movie uh, 12 Strong, Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. the yeah. the guys from like the guys that actually were the first special forces in Afghanistan back in 2001 came home. They all got out and started a whiskey company. They're actually in uh, Tampa, St. Pete area. But so this is their stuff. This is the barrel proof version, which I am almost out of. I actually finished my bottle of the small batch on Saturday. So if anyone would like to um, send me a gift of whiskey because they don't distribute this in Georgia, Mm. I will send you my address. Um, But another super cool thing about the company itself is that they have their bottle molds. So like what they inject the molten glass into to make the bottle are Mm. actually pieces of steel from the World Trade Center that they had formed into the molds. So that's that's super cool. Um, it is a dream of mine to get to that distillery because, you know, the whole focus of the movie is around Mazari Sharif, which is actually where I was deployed when I was in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So that's a big goal of mine next time I get down to Tampa, because last time I was there was during COVID and they were closed to the public. So, Mm. um, but no, that's really good stuff. And if you are in Florida ever and you see the horse soldier bourbon, pick up a bottle. And this is not an ad, but cool guys, cool story, good product. You can't get much better than that. And if they want it to be an ad, just we can give out the Gmail at the end. Oh, dude, if they sponsored us, I would come to record every fucking week with a foot long boner. <laughs> it's more than I can do. Well, I'd have I'd have to get some implants, you know. Oh, but okay. yeah, we'll we'll get there. <laughs> um, but Mike actually did a ton of legwork to uh, to talk about recruiting today. So it's gonna be on. It's everything's on him. So if it doesn't make sense at him, don't yell at me. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna get into this. I'm gonna add some stuff here and there. But you know, this is uh, this is this is your pig. I'm just holding the tail. It's my baby. Okay. Um, so kind of not talked a ton about recruiting the last uh, last few weeks. This is the time right now, end of May, June, June, July, where it's really like most of the like the big news comes out, especially with the you know the upcoming class. Cause as we know, most people, most of the elite recruits that George ends up getting sign in that that early signing period, or you want to still call it that because you know it's like what 85, 90% of you know blue chip recruits sign. In December, but uh, most of them start committing around again May, June, July. Um, a lot, of, and especially in June, I think there's two or three huge weekends coming up um, in Athens. Uh, besides for the scavenger hunt that they just did um, a week or two ago, but it's people that we haven't uh, necessarily talked a whole lot about yet. Uh, first is number three overall tight end recruit in the 2024 class, Jaden Riddell. He committed to the G last Wednesday, so a little bit under a week ago or a week ago when you guys hear this. He's the 55th overall best player or overall player in the class, according to 247 composite rankings. Uh, he was one of the galaxy of blue chip recruits that were in Athens for the scavenger hunt. Um, Ooh, I recruit. like that. The galaxy. I like that. Yeah. 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 Galaxy of five stars. I like galaxy it. Galaxy of five like stars it. in that locker room. Uh, but uh, he was one of the galaxy of blue chip recruits in Athens for the scavenger hunt a couple weekends ago. 
Uh, he's also one of four players to uh, commit, not recruit, uh, commit after five-star plus quarterback Dylan Raiola, Raiola uh, committed no, not, not, not too long ago. Uh, his This tight end, his uh, final five were Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oregon, and Tennessee. So, of course, th- you know, that could always change. And we'll talk about another, you know, tight end that flipped um, in a little bit here. But, you know, the typical people that you would see in that, um, I didn't see how, you know, warm, cold he was with the other schools. Because obviously he committed to Georgia. But uh, still got to, you know, put the, uh, you know, put the charm on the next, you know, six months or so to keep, you know, this guy in this class. So I have a question. And okay. I'll be honest, I I don't know if you know the answer, and I don't know if anybody knows the answer. I've seen the term five-star plus thrown out a lot. Mm-hmm. Is that an actual thing, or is that just something people use to say that he's better than most other high school recruits? I think the first time I heard it, and I came up during Arch Manning recruitment, they gave him like that five-star plus thing. I think that's just to put extra emphasis on it. I It might just be a 247 thing. I haven't seen it anywhere else necessarily, but it it sounds good, especially when it's your guy. It sounds great. I just – Why I, not be a six-star? I don't know. I don't know what, yeah. what the cutoff okay. is. Why don't we just go to 10? You know, if we had 10, I might even be a one-star. I still not. I have no athletic ability. Never did, even though I played played a little bit. I not a chance that that any college would have looked at me for anything. Not even my GPA was that good. I mean, I still have some eligibility left. I'm I'm good. I'm solid. Give me a one star rating on a ten star scale, and let me go to a JUCO. UAB? No, go to UAB. You have laser. I'd love to be a blazer, um, but I feel like it would get out that I'm older than Stetson and the internet would hate me. So you're only a little bit older than Stetson. It's not like me going out there. I exhausted my eligibility, my seven years in, in undergrad or six. I'm to be wow. honest. I don't, I don't know how old I am. Already? I don't No, Kelsey keeps up with that for me. I have no idea. It's better to keep that tucked away. Honestly. It's not going to be any better for you. It's not going to get any better. Like, I just tell people that I'm the same age she is because I know how old she is. And we were born in the same year, just a few months apart. So I just tell people I'm her age, even if I'm not. Yeah, Jen's five months older than I am. I always make fun of her about how old she is all the time. I do, too. She hates it. it. She absolutely hates it. I call (laughs) Kelsey a cougar. Same, same. (laughs) Um, but do you do you have anything about uh about uh, Jaden Riddell at all? No, I mean it it it's a little odd to me that the other guy decommitted, but at the same time, I mean tight end room is loaded. We thought you know last year was the best tight end room in the history of college football, but it only looks like it's gonna get better and better and better. And I mean at this point, you've got you see Alabama, Notre Dame. Oregon, Tennessee, but which one of those programs has developed the most tight end talent over the last few seasons? And it's a pretty clear choice on where you would want to go. It's honestly either Georgia or Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame has probably the, I mean, you can kind of throw Alabama in there as well, but Notre Dame has an argument, uh, you know, it's not, it's not going to be Georgia. I mean, it's not going to be a good argument, but they, they at least can throw their hat in the ring and calling themselves tight and new because they put, put, 
some pretty productive guys into the NFL still. They just have one guy every few years, though. True. Well, Georgia, I mean, now going forward, so we'll we'll have, uh, you know, Darnell, you know, kill it in Pittsburgh. We'll have uh, Brock kill it next year, you know, because, you know, I'd probably a top five pick in the draft next year. If he's not the highest tight end taken of all time, I would be shocked. And I think who was it Eric Ebron or no, or, or Hawkinson. It was one of them. Who was it? Kyle Pitts. Oh, that's Eighth right. overall to the right. Falcons. No, I thought Detroit took, uh, took Hawkinson like sixth or seventh. I thought maybe I could be wrong. And then traded him before he was actually ever able to do anything. To Minnesota, they weren't worried about it. They actually played. That's when they got hot last year's after they traded his sorry fucking ass. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, but I'll get to the guy that we uh, that you mentioned before about decommitting in a little bit here. But uh, going on from there, uh, three star offensive tackle Marcus Harrison committed last Tuesday. So I'm kind of going in reverse chronological order. Uh, he's only the 606th ranked prospect in the uh, 247 composite, but I fully expect that ranking to rise during his senior season now that he's committed to Georgia. Uh, oftentimes when elite programs have a serious offer to like non-blue chip recruits or someone that's like not, you know, heavily rated at that point or like really looked at too, too closely. Um, a lot of the times these recruiting sites will be like, oh shit, what the fuck did we miss? And then reevaluate them and give them a bump up. Uh, so giving, so like like I said, with like Georgia giving them a, a wait, 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 I lost my train of thought. Recruiting sites will evaluate and give them a higher rating again. Why? Because they don't want to seem stupid and miss on something that championship programs want or they've you know scored or looked at. And I, I also forgot to mention. So he's a three star offensive tackle, like I said. But this is where Kirby and his staff excel in finding this you know diamond in the rough. I mean, still. Still, obviously, talented. You know, three stars like nothing to sneeze at. Obviously, you know, Wisconsin made ma- makes the whole program out of that. But he, uh, Marcus Harrison, six foot seven, three hundred twenty five pounds, as a rising senior, or yeah, rising senior, yeah. Uh, so he'll have time to develop, and it's definitely worth taking a flyer on uh, at this point. And he hasn't played a senior 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 season yet, so he could get even bigger. Yeah, and so one odd thing about. Marcus Harrison is that he didn't really get a ton of big offers until Georgia. And I mean, we've talked about it many times on this show. If, if Kirby and the staff go after a three-star guy, they don't, they, they're not swinging and missing on three stars. No, just to name a few three stars that played a, or lower that played a huge part in last year's season. Um, Stetson Bennett was rated at zero stars by some, by some. Um, and then you had Javon Bullard, who was a two star athlete. Obviously, they didn't miss. If you guys remember a few years ago, Eric Stokes out of Covington, you know, first round draft pick was a three star recruit. You know, it's one of those things where I, I don't get concerned. If a three-star is offered by the University of Georgia, they they're batting a thousand on three stars. Like it, glad to have him. If the if the staff sees the potential in him, especially with that size, mm. absolutely. Yeah, who are we to say that? Like, who the fuck is this guy? 
Um, right. Again, Kirby and his staff definitely have forgotten more football than we will ever know. So yeah, if they if they want to take a flyer on on someone that hasn't been like heavily recruited, um, you know, we definitely you know defer to their expertise on that for sure. Absolutely. All right. So uh, continuing the theme with you know big ass motherfuckers um, in tight ends. <laughs> um, in the same vein, uh, three star tight end Colton Heinrich out of Fort Lauderdale committed to Georgia recently as well. Uh, he he committed uh, shortly after five star tight end Landon Thomas flipped from Georgia to Florida State. In uh, in Colton's junior year, he put up 36 catches for 464 yards and three touchdowns, but that's not even the most impressive part. He also won state championships in both football and basketball, so the dude's an elite athlete that, you know, coming in and, and looking at, like, the tight end room, because, like I said, or like we mentioned, Brock Bowers isn't going to be here after the 2023 season, like, unless something horrible happens or – he thinks he's going to get some astronomical amount of NIL money that's that's going to be bigger than what he'd get in the NFL. I, I don't – I think he could be injured in fall camp, not play a snap this season, and still be a top 10 pick. It's kind of like that J, uh, Jadavion Clowney situation where he – I mean, he still, you know, went really high in the draft. I think still went number one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where he could have sat out and probably should have because, you know, when you're already thought of that highly, sometimes you're it's to your detriment to be good really early like Brock was, being should have been an All-American his freshman year. Should um, have won the Mackey Award his freshman year. Yep. I mean, he made up for that in sophomore year, or at least, you know, the voters caught up on that. But And more than likely his junior year. Mm-hmm. Again, unless something awful happens, which, you know, knock on wood, that's not going to happen. He's going to play his ass off, get a thousand yards at least. Yeah. Um, break all the all the receiving records as a tight end. But um, like I was saying with uh, Cole Heinrich, uh, he probably sees himself as like kind of in that Brock Bowers mold um, and can help fill in for him after he leaves. Uh, he does need to work on his blocking from what I've seen other experts say on that. And I'm not calling myself an expert by, by any means, <laughs> but I'm not. It's my first crack at uh, some of this stuff. <laughs> But uh, his uh, film shows uh, great skills as a pass catcher and has a nice second gear to outrun secondary. There's one play that I saw where he just, you know, ran a streak or a go route and, you know, made a pretty athletic play and just outran everybody. I mean, they, nobody gave up on that play and he just jetted like past everybody um, as a, you know, again, big ass tight end. So that was impressive. Yeah. No, I watched this tape a couple weeks ago and um, I think it was the day he committed. I watched this tape and the kid first, the kid flies. Yeah. But the things that I saw that you don't always see with these high school tight ends that I really liked is his ability to catch the ball away from his body. Yeah. Like he was high pointing the football. Sometimes it got dropped in the bucket, but that was more a function of how the defense was playing And his ability to have that first move after a catch to send the defender into the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Like those were two things out of a high school tight end that I really like seeing. And I think he's another guy that is a three-star today, but when they Mm -hmm. do their reevaluations, he'll get a hefty bump between the commitment and, uh, and the camps that I'm sure he'll go to this summer. I think they do the reevaluation in July or August before the high mm-hmm. school season starts. There's no way that he's not at least a four-star 
Like, if he's not a mid-ranked four-star with reevaluations, I will have lost just a little more faith in recruiting evaluations. Mm-hmm. ESPN would probably be the one that that scores him the lowest. It seems like that's usually the one that's pretty um, off. Yeah, off compared to like on three and and two four seven and all that. All right, so uh, going out from there, so we said, like we mentioned a few uh, a week or two ago, how big of a pickup uh, getting that uh, easy for me to say, Dylan Riola, <laughs> Riola uh, was for the dogs. If you I was about to say, I I've just recently heard it's pronounced different, but I I don't. Is, is it, it Riola? You're the Lions fan. You should know. I, I well, I heard Rayola that the entire time, and I could be totally wrong. So I end up usually saying it both ways, so I piss off everybody. All right, Dylan. If we are pronouncing your name wrong, we apologize. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> um, but uh, if you didn't know, if the uh, in the uh, if the 24 uh, two four seven rankings remain the same, uh, Dylan would be the second highest UGA recruit of all time. He's going to be sandwiched between Justin Fields and. Uh, Nolan Smith, which again, huge. Now, Justin did. I, I know for a fact Justin Fields didn't have like the five star plus rating. So that I think that's another thing that tells me that's a new thing. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, you got to add a little something to it. I mean, they've, you know, realistically, like recruiting has only been covered like this, this deeply for shit. It was 12, 13 years. I mean, I kind of started when I was in high school. So, yeah, not old now. So, <laughs> but um like i said the, one of the many benefits of getting an elite quarterback committed prior to the summer uh you know of him going into his senior year is that he can be a great recruiter for your team especially during like the time periods in which coaches have like a you know dark period or like they can't talk to anybody or any you know talk directly to recruits or anything so having you know this you know this caliber of player committed already and being basically being a another you know, person to recruit for your team is, is like speaks volumes. Like Justin, like for all the shit that, you know, happened with Justin Fields and all that uh, prior to him leaving, his class was the highest rated class um, that Georgia ever had, or I want to say it was class. college football history. At that, that was point, the highest yeah. class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and we honestly, Georgia has a, a really, really good shot of, of beating that and having the highest ranked class like beating Texas A&M's record from uh, what a year and a half ago, or like the, you know, the, not this last recruiting class, but the 2022 the oil money class. Yeah. Beating that. And we don't have oil money in Georgia. At least not yet. We'll see. Well, there are some oil companies based in Georgia, but ain't nobody digging up oil over here. No. <laughs> um, but you no, know, having him, having him in the fold at least, and especially at this point, and, and, and I'll kind of get into that in a minute too, is going to be huge for uh, this team going forward and trying to get that best recruiting class of all time. Uh, signed yeah no i i agree 100 but i will say to the listeners out there if you haven't watched dylan riola's tape and i looked up the pronunciation it is riola riola okay um but if you haven't watched his tape just take a few minutes on youtube because i and i know everything's different when you play against higher competition i get it but what he's able to do against high school competition is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like this guy could probably play at a junior college right now and win them a national championship and mm-hmm. then go to real college and probably 
I'd say he's at least going to play for one. Mm-hmm. I would be, especially if he if he sticks around, which we all you know think he he will be, like definitely in that position to be able to do that for sure. If even like if you compare him, you know, not to be like a giant homer because you know a lot of Georgia fans will will go on this round and say, oh, you know, we didn't want Arch anyway. That's all name. Like Dylan's way better than him anyway. Um, he played against better competition than Arch Manning. Arch Manning played against private schools in in New Orleans. I will say complete honesty because I, you know, I try to preach that on this show that I'm never going to lie to you guys. I wanted Arch Manning. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Positively. I wanted him, but when you go back and look at his tape, it's, it's not as good as that number one recruit in the country would have you think it is. Mm -hmm. That's not to say he's not good. He has, he has the genetics of a hall of fame player. But in high school, not great. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, like you said, he's obviously talented. I mean, he, like you said, he has a pedigree. I mean, going back generations and all that. But I think we're in a better position with with uh, with getting Dylan here. I really do. And that's not just I, be, not being a, <laughs> just a hater in respect and saying, oh, we didn't want him anyway. Yeah, like you said, I wanted him. Like, I yeah. wanted him badly, but I wasn't super bummed that we, uh, that we missed out on him. No, I I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. Um. All right. So going on uh, with that. So with uh, Ryle in the fold. Um. I think that George has a great chance of getting the greatest recruiting class of all time. That we talked about uh, after the scavenger hunt, and with a couple of huge recruiting weekends coming up in June, Georgia finds themselves in prime position to get players like number one receiver uh, Jeremiah Smith, who was an Ohio State commit. I think he still technically is. So he he is, and I looked it up just a minute ago while we were talking. Mm -hmm. According to 247, he is still a hard commit to Ohio State. Mm, Okay. I I mean, he only committed to Ohio State after Dylan did, and then Mm -hmm. as soon as Dylan started taking extra visits, he started taking extra visits. I'm not like I'm not I'm not saying it's gonna happen. You're saying there's a chance. Yes. I, Insert dumb and dumber gif. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people will call us that anyway, right? I some are saying. Some some are saying. Um, so talk about yeah, Jeremiah Smith, number one linebacker, Sammy Brown, which I'll get into in a, in a little bit here, kind of going a slight deep dive on him. Uh five star lineman Aiden uh uh Breland and five star safety KJ Bolden and a plethora of other talent uh will be in Athens. Um uh, coming up here in June. So, like I said, you know, May is kind of the start of the, uh, you know, really like the the heavy recruiting and like making like, you know, putting you know, the roots down in the class. June and July is basically like finishing season for uh, for Kirby and his staff. So any like it, it always seems like early on in the cycle, everyone's always worried. Oh, no, like we're missing out on these guys. How come no one's recruited and everyone's like thinking the sky is falling and shit like that? We have no reason to believe that's ever to be the case. Like June, June and July is like the money season for uh, Kirby and his staff. It takes one domino to fall. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is every year. Yep. All right. So, um, uh, I have two more guys left. I'm going to talk about. So, one of the things, one of the people I'm irrationally excited uh, about the idea of getting is Sammy Brown. 
And and I talked about him a little bit earlier. He's number one uh, linebacker uh, recruit for the uh, 2024 class. Uh, he's got a uh, – when I wrote this down, I, I saw it in different places. I saw a 4.0, but the place I had looked at this before was a 4.4 GPA. Like the lowest grade I think he ever said he got was like a 92 in like chemistry or some shit like that. So kid's intelligent. That's good. Not that that matters a whole lot in football. You can ask Stetson. He didn't go there to play school. But <laughs> but uh, um, he uh, he ran a four uh, four five four uh, forty. He has almost a forty inch uh, vertical leap. His uh, hundred meter was ten point six nine. Nice. And uh, <laughs> and he's actually a uh, state champion in wrestling in uh, in Georgia as well. So measurables off the charts. Awesome. Okay. On the football field, like I said, he's the number one uh, linebacker in this class. Uh, last year in his junior season, he had 113 tackles, five tackles for loss, four pass breakups, one sack, and one interception. Uh, but also, again, to show how much of a freak athlete this kid is, he also played running back for his high school team, if you didn't know. Uh, 1,459 yards rushing, 21 touchdowns last year. Uh, and uh, 8.1 yards per rush or attempt. Uh, he also caught 12 passes for 246 yards. That's fucking Randy Moss <laughs> in, in Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah. fucking numbers. Uh, yeah. Uh, and three touchdowns. So pretty good. Every every four catches, he gets a touchdown or so. I'm not, a, again, not a math guy. No mathologist on uh, this podcast. No, it never will say that. Uh, but so his uh, receiving average, 20.4 yards per reception. It's huge, of course. And uh, finally, he would immediately have the best mullet on this team. If you haven't seen it, go Google it. It is stuff of dreams. If you want to have a mullet or you're a, <laughs> if you study mullets, his is fucking awesome. We claim to be amateur mulletologists, but not a mathologist. True. True. Just, just, we only just care about the things that, that re- the things that really matter. Correct. Um, so I did some, I did a little bit of digging while you were talking about him because I don't think there's any fan of any country or any team in the country that wouldn't be excited about Sammy Brown. Um, but according to on three, Georgia currently has the highest percentage to land this guy. Okay. Um, at 28.5. The next mm. closest team is Clemson at 20.8. Um, but Georgia has a great history of getting phenomenal players from Jefferson, which, if you aren't familiar, is just down the road from Athens. I mean, like maybe a 30 minute ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but so just to throw this out there, the last five star that Georgia got from Jefferson is this guy by the name of Malachi Starks. Don't know if you heard of him. Um yeah, I think he, he's got a bright future, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and Sammy Brown and Malachi Starks played together on the same team. Yeah, I saw that. And he, and, yeah, and in a lot of the articles that I had saw, I kind of, you know, reading, uh, getting ready for this, like they, they, Sammy mentioned Malachi quite a bit. He, like, he wants to break all of like his records and like, you know, kind of beat him out in his high school stats. So that's awesome. Can't hate that. Yes. But another thing that I thought was cool, and I don't know if I sent this to you or not, um, Dylan and a few of the other recruits during the scavenger hunt weekend actually went to uh, the the farm that Sammy Brown lives on with his family 
and mm-hmm. help them clear some trees that had fallen in the storm before because of how much Dylan wants Sammy Brown on this team. And that's what I'm talking about right there. That's the leadership that you want um, in that class. Like even if Dylan yes. doesn't end up playing a ton, he's going to pay massive dividends with, uh, with this recruiting class going forward. Yeah. And you want to talk about the way to not just a, a, you know, one of these recruits hearts, but you want to talk about a way to get the parents to like a school more. Right. Talk about the number one quarterback in the country saying, you know what? I really want to hang out. I really want to help you. We're going to come to the farm and help you clear some trees. I don't think I've ever heard a story like that. Not not with like these like super highly recruited guys, like highly thought of. Like not a fucking chance that that's going to happen. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yes. Yeah. No, I I'm also irrationally excited because just just go watch the tape. Just even if you even if you just watch his running back highlights, it, it's silly. It, it, he it could still- be a five-star running back if that yeah. was the position he chose to play. I mean, nobody wants to touch this guy because he's so fucking big. It, it it's I'm not calling him De- Derrick Henry by any means, but like he he kind of gives off that. He's vibe high school Derrick Henry. Yeah, which I, I'll I'll like, say. It. Yeah, he, he is. It's fucking silly. It it's. I mean, that's all. There's I can say. one specific play that I watched the video of where the other team had three guys trying to tackle him. And he just knocked them all over and kept running. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a defensive player. Like this is not this is not fair. You know what, Sammy Brown for Heisman, two way player. You know what? Let's get him returning kicks too. Hey, that's how Charles Woodson did it because you know Peyton Manning return was kicks. Just send him out, you know, to play running back in the second half of these you know blowout games. Mm-hmm. And have him play defense. Yeah, that's how we do it. We need we need a Heisman. That's the one thing that this program doesn't have uh, recently. The all the All Americans, all the national championships, conference championships. This and that Heisman. Sammy Brown for Heisman. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Place your 2027 Heisman bets in my bank account. If he wins, I'll forget. <laughs> yeah, there's not a chance that anybody's getting that back. No. <laughs> No, uh, it's immediately getting spent. It's for the greater good. Yeah. If you're making if you're making a bet, <laughs> again, we you know we you know or heard before you know friends don't let friends you know bet on Heisman uh, or preseason Heisman favorites. This is way early. This is four or five. <laughs> uh, if you're doing that, <laughs> maybe at that point Georgia will ha- have a legalized gambling. I'm not I'm not going to bet on it. Uh, hopefully, I like what you did there. Dad jokes, man. And finally, right, I think we have one more player to uh, to get into here. Am I right? Yeah. Um, so again, we talked about it. It's not about Rayola. Rayola keeps saying the same. Both of them. But uh, don't forget about Ryan Polisky. I can't. I, I can't not say his name. Connecticut. Pug. Pug. Don't forget that pug. Yeah, he's from Connecticut. Uh, so. Not that that really makes a difference as Georgia's a national recruiting power at this point anyway. But uh, he's also a top 10 quarterback in this class. And from things that I've heard is that he has an arm that you can compare or rival to Joe Milton. For all the shit that we say about Joe Milton and, and it gets talked about him, obviously the dude has a cannon. They don't call him Bazooka Joe for nothing. But uh, Ryan Correct. 
and fucking sling it. Um, and in one of the things that I'll say about him, and again, he's I think he's like the I want to say he's the eighth or ninth best quarterback in this uh, this twenty twenty four class. He has not wavered one bit since like they were talking about Dylan coming here and all that. And it was rumored he has not wavered one bit. He still has a you know hard commitment to this team, and of course that may change. Never know, but the fact that he excuse me hasn't wavered from that um is you know a testament to his character and is and can be another again a huge thing because even going you know looking at the quarterbacks that we've had who would have thought Stetson would have played again with all the five stars and you know high four stars that George has had who would have thought he would have played so having you know the more talent the better in this room especially after not taking a quarterback last year yeah so Ryan actually doubled down on his commitment someone from the media reached out to him the day after Dylan committed and asked if he was having second thoughts. And he said, no, I'm a man of my word. Once I make a decision, I stick to it. You got to love it. You got to love that. Yeah. Those are the kind of high character people that you want in your program. Again, not to, not to shit on A&M, but how many of those kids are left from that highest recruiting class that they had a couple years ago? Um, not not a ton. Um, I mean, they did kick some players off the team that were smoking weed in the locker room before a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then instead of, you know, trying to do anything to get in the player's favor, Jimbo actually suspended a player for a game for wearing a different color gloves than the rest of yep. the team. Yeah, that was Mo- uh, Musha Muhammad's kid, right? Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was Moose. It was, it was Moose. Um yeah, that's how so you yeah, A&M is not, not, um, not the lighthouse you want to uh, find your way with. No. no, Not at all. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for uh, the recruiting aspect that, you know, and like I said, this, this you know, coming month of June is going to be huge. There's going to be a couple big recruiting re- re- weekends where some of these, you know, high five-star guys are coming in and, uh, know you kind of see athens and all that so you know looking forward to you know talking about some more guys coming in you know in the next you know a couple weeks here yeah i i do think we have time to get to this uh this little fun conversation if we don't take too long with it so i i do want to get to that okay and i'm gonna i'm gonna leave a lot of this to you because i like i've said before i'm fucking lame when it comes to athens i i (laughs) i did not have the college experience that a lot of people had when they went there so um, there's a few places that, you know, that are good, but if I'm trying to get a, you know, elite talent to come in, I'm probably not the guy to, t- to talk to about that. So the problem is that most of the places that I would recommend. And so the question is, um, where would we include in the, if we were in charge of the scavenger hunt? Yeah, like what and, places? What places would you have like these recruits go to to try to get them? Like, oh, like you know, I like places to hit that are going to be make them want to actually uh, make them want to stay in Athens. Like, actually commit to the G and stay here for the next three, four years. So for me, it really, you know, you've got to include places that hit a lot of different notes. So I would probably throw in there um, the botanical gardens for anybody that likes to do outside stuff. The golf course um, too. 
I mean, a student golf course, golf course is nice for, you know, those that want to golf or, you know, learn how to want to learn how to do it. Yeah. Any, anything like that outside, maybe even like bear hollow or, you know, throw redneck beach in that conversation, yeah. even though they're building apartments right behind it, which is kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would have to have a good local restaurant that's like encapsulates Athens. So, you know, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this by anybody that lives close by. I'm a big fan of the blind pig tavern. Yeah. I like, I love their food. They've got a great drink selection. Although these kids probably aren't drinking the cheese fries with extra seasoning are some of the best. But if you weren't going to do that, maybe Sauce House, because they could see the kind of environment that they could get to when they were able to drink in public, because that is a pretty cool place. Um, I mean, they're all 17, 18-year-old kids. <laughs> Send them out to Millage for a sorority event. Just have them drive by a couple times. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. always a solid bet. Just like Hugh Freeze would. I mean, Hugh Freeze would have done that. I mean, you probably would have so, done so Hugh Freeze would have done toppers, and I see you got that down here. The problem is you want people <laughs> to stay and enjoy Athens, and toppers. Uh, don't get me wrong; I have been a few times for you know shits and giggles when it's one or two in the morning, but it's not like it, you wouldn't put it up there near the top of any any <laughs> list for those establishments. The only reason why I put it there is this proximity. I mean, it's right the fuck there. It's right there. That's the only reason. Yeah. I I see what you're saying, but I have also seen what's inside of Toppers. <laughs> you know what? I mean, maybe they haven't... Maybe, you know, a two in Athens is like a ten where they're from. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it depends on how attracted you are to like C-section scars and 19 year old girls. Don't go Tuesday morning. Just don't, don't take them there. No, those were Friday nights. Oh fuck. No. Okay. (laughs) You know, but toppers, if you want to sponsor us, I will retract. I will go back in and edit all these episodes that I've ever mentioned you in. Take it out. I will be the biggest Toppers fan in the world if you want to sponsor us. Can you imagine our faces just putting being put up in there? That would be amazing. That, that hey. would be. I mean, if they want if they want to lose business, that's the way to do it. Do live recordings from Toppers on Friday nights. <laughs> do like a post game show. Ooh, that that might be a move. You know what? Who who's going to be doing that? Nobody. I would except us. I would. I would one thousand percent. We could not go on YouTube with that. That those would not be YouTube episodes. Those would very much be uh, our only fans account. Start now. Nah, we might have to start a Patreon if we're going to do that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Pay sixty nine cents a month, and. Mm-hmm. We got you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You ready to talk about baseball? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So 
We have a few tiers of coaches. Um, I've done a good bit of research for this uh, really over the last few weeks, but especially since Josh Brooks fired head coach Scott Strickland on May 26th. And Coach Strickland did do a lot for the program, but with the stagnation and lack of recruiting prowess over the past few seasons, it was just time. Um, And the comparison that I put in here is it's somewhat similar to when Mark Rick got fired. He took program he took the program to heights it had not seen in some time, but was unable to get to that promised land. And by no stretch of the imagination, am I saying that the new coach, whoever it is, will be able to quickly reach the heights that Kirby was able to. But every great novel starts with a fresh sheet of paper. That's good. I like that. I either subconsciously remembered it from something or came up with it while I was uh, sitting down in the living room earlier. Profound. One of the two. Regardless. One of the two. It's good. That's good shit. Thank you. Um, So we've uh, came up with some, you know, fun, probably uh, cringy, but topical names for these tiers and for home run hires. I've got it as Cliff Cliff Godwin. Um, He is currently the head coach at Eastern Carolina University, and we're going to do some pros and a few cons for each of these candidates. Um, So for Cliff, he is an experienced head coach with 11 years of experience. He has been a part of 14 postseasons, whether it's on the staff or as a head coach. Um, he has won four AAC Coach of the Year awards and been a coach for 64 players that have been drafted or played professional baseball in some capacity, which you'll see further down in this list just how astonishing that number is. And I will put in here the salary figures that I could find for some of these coaches um, because I wasn't always able to find a salary. And so Cliff is currently making $500,000 a year as the ECU head coach. Um, But that was before this season. And he did just make a, I'm pretty sure they're hosting a regional. Um, Mm. So that number is probably bound to go up some, but for the uh, cons or potential reasons why it couldn't work, First one is he's an Eastern Carolina alumnus, meaning he went to college there. He played baseball there. He was a part of multiple postseasons as a player there. When he started coaching, he started as a staff member for the university, moved into head coach. Um, And he's currently under contract until 2029. So Mm. those are definitely some hurdles to overcome. But he was the first name that came to mind when I was looking at coaches and I have seen him in quite a few lists that have been put out that aren't um, paywalled behind random newspapers that decided to write articles about it. Yeah, that would be Um, like 64 players that have been drafted or playing pro ball is huge. I mean. You know, even before you're getting into like the rest of them, like that's in 11 years as a as a head coach. That's incredible. Yeah, no, I it is insane what they've been able to build over in Eastern Carolina for the program. But not only that, they have 
and this is going to come up quite a bit for the rest of this segment. He is, or they have a great pitching staff, which that is the one thing that Georgia was missing this season from being able to win, hell, what, 15, maybe 20 more games than they did was a pitching staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're losing games 12-11, it's not the hitting that's a problem. Like, you're losing games 12-11 to programs that are hosting regionals now. Hitting's not the problem when you're doing that. Yep. So, next guy I'm going to talk about is Scott Brown. He is currently the Vandy associate head coach and pitching coach. And so, Scott Brown, 11 seasons as the Vandy pitching coach, which... You know, we just talked about it a moment ago. Vandy has elite pitchers. They have guys that were pitching in 2021 that are currently in the major league, which pitchers to move up from single A to the major league in two seasons is extremely impressive. I mean, the Braves have a guy that they just called up today Mm -hmm. that went from college last season to he got called up to the MLB today, and that is unheard of to in four months of a baseball season get to that level and especially a you know a team that's as good as the braves too it's not like this like the a's or the royals or someone like that or some yeah. team that's huge like that says a lot it's these volumes so scott brown as i mean obviously he's been a part of the vanity program for 11 seasons but he has been a part of two national championships five college world series appearances six super regionals and many more regionals. What that says is he has experience coaching in high-pressure situations, which, I'm going to be honest, next year, pretty much every game is going to be a high-pressure situation because of the pressure that the football team being so good puts on other sports in the program. I mean, not to mention in the other diamond, you had Georgia softball host a regional, go to a super regional, I mean, in the female equivalent of your sport, the t- the school is very good. So you need – we need to be better in baseball is basically what I'm saying. Um, since 2013, 12 different players that he has coached, meaning pitchers, have been named All-Americans. So that is more than one per season have wow. been named All-Americans. Damn. In 2022, Vandy finished with the 12th lowest ERA in the country, third in hits allowed per nine, and eighth best in whip. And to explain a few of these terms, if you're not familiar with baseball, ERA is earned runs allowed, and that is a number that they get out of if the pitcher were to go nine innings. So if a starter plays six innings and gives up three runs, it's going to be a four ERA for the game because they do it for nine innings. Um, And then whip is walks and hits per innings pitched. So if you, if you have a whip of one, you either walk or allow a hit to one batter per inning. It's kind of how, kind of how that works. And there'll be a lot of terms through here that I explained just because I know a lot of you guys don't necessarily pay near as much attention to baseball as I do. Um, But in July of 2022, 
Coach Brown was named the pitching coach for College Team USA. So out of all of the colleges in America, he was named the best pitching coach and took that role for that season. Um, And he's been a pitching coach for long enough that he could be if he wants to move up. Because there's always coaches that, you know, like in football, you'll have an offensive coordinator doesn't want the pressure of being a head coach. He just wants to run offenses kind of situation. But he's been doing it long enough that Georgia could have the ability to be a top-tier program. They could reach out and give him the money, which is the money is actually on the downside of this one because he allegedly makes $750,000 a year at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is a private school, so they're not legally required to release salaries, which is why I said allegedly. And Scott Strickland made $650,000 a year as a baseball coach at Georgia. So to pull him from Vanderbilt, they would probably have to significantly up that number of what they were willing to pay. You said he was the uh, associate head coach, right? Correct. I mean, even if you bump up from like what they were giving Strickland, because typically I think that's what ends up happening is like to get a coach somewhere unless you're, like, you're hiring someone that has – Absolutely, like no coaching experience. Like usually, you try to give them a little bit of a bump. I I would not be opposed to them giving him, you know, more than what Strickland got. So maybe. Oh, they're gonna have I, to. Yeah. I would I would think to pull him from Vanderbilt, they're gonna have to go at least eight fifty, with yeah. a very uh, coach friendly incentive structure. I hope they do like he I mean obviously these are your home run hires and, and all that that you're talking about but I mean if you want to if you want to be competitive I mean you got to give a competitive salary so I'm I'm all for it like bump that up go more go often than not more often than not you get what you pay for mm-hmm. yep um so our next potential candidate is Scott <sighs> Sorry, just had a drink of whiskey go down the wrong pipe. At almost 60% alcohol. Oh. Ooh. All right. You good? You sure? Yeah. 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 No, I just, like I said, I feel it burning my lungs as I talk. So, Scott Berry, he is the Southern Mississippi head coach. Um, I haven't really seen him on very many of the lists that I was able to find, but I would love if they were able to pull Scott Barry away from Southern Miss. So he has been some sort of college foot or college baseball coach for 23 years, 14 of those with Southern Miss. And one of the big things about Scott Barry is what he was able to do with the program as they were going up in conferences because they went from conference USA to the Sun Belt in his first season as the first season of the Sun Belt was starting. So he was able to not just switch conferences, but switch conferences, play new opponents and still do extremely well when doing that, which to me says that he handles adversity. Well, he knows how to coach in all sorts of situations. And those are important things when you're, coaching in the toughest conference in the country for college baseball. 
because, you know, we buried the lead a little bit. The SEC has eight different regional hosts this year. For those of you that don't really know, there's only 16 regional hosts. So the SEC is half of them. Ooh, math. Yeah. I will say I'm an addition and subtraction mathologist. <laughs> I got that kindergarten stuff down. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but he has five regular season Sunbelt Conference titles, five separate Sunbelt Conference tournament titles, nine postseason appearances. And in 2022, so last year, Southern Miss beat LSU in two of three games and were the site of not just a regional, but a super regional, meaning they won their regional and were one of the eight best teams to win the regional and got to host a super regional, which is, you know, something that hasn't happened in Athens in a very long time to host a super regional. So here is some stats that don't that shouldn't be real, but they are. He has seven straight 40-win season, which is currently the longest active streak in college baseball. And not only does he have seven straight 40-win seasons, he has seven straight postseason appearances. In 2022, there were five pitchers drafted off of that team. Ooh, okay. Like, I don't know why Scott Barry's not on more more list for who should get this job. Mm-hmm. And another thing, his salary for 2022 was $250,000. So they could pay him what they paid Coach Strickland, and it still be a ridiculous pay or bump in pay. And not only that, Mississippi has the contract rule for state employees that you cannot have longer than four-year contracts. Meaning that if Georgia was able to offer him a long-term deal with a higher salary, it could be very, very beneficial to the program to get Scott Barry because they wouldn't essentially be paying much money much more money, if any, to get a coach that is this accomplished. So for the for the possible bad things, you know, with him having been at Southern Miss for 14 seasons, he it's very possible that he has a strong loyalty to the school. Um, but I mean, as far as far as I could look into it. I was, that's really the only detractor that I saw from the possible hiring of Scott Barry. I mean, this team is far. I mean, they're hosting a regional again this year. You want to talk? Yeah, it's massive. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a huge get. I mean, being somewhere for fourteen years. I mean, you think at at that point he may be a lifer at that school i mean you know he was somewhere else for another nine years before that but he's definitely somebody that again you would not get an argument out of me especially if you, you know if you give him at least scott sickerman salary like it's gonna make him hard to it's gonna make it difficult for him to say no to that unless he really yeah. just likes likes living um you know being on southern Miss's campus which could be a thing i don't know i've never been there it's possible but i will say 
Holyfield is beautiful. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Just, hmm. you know. And we've seen it. I mean, Georgia is more than willing to spend money on facilities upgrades. So if he was like, hey, you know, we need something for me to take this job. I don't I don't see that as being an issue for the athletic department. Yeah. So the next tier we have are I'm going to call it doubles. And it's a double because it's not necessarily a home run. But it puts you in scoring position, you know, like mm-hmm. I and to be clear, the list of guys that I'm about to name off is I'm not saying I don't want these guys. I would still be extremely happy with these guys. But I think those first three names that I gave you, like if we woke up tomorrow morning and I get cold taked by all of this, if it's one of those first three guys, I couldn't care less. Mm hmm. So the first guy on this list I have as um, Nate Thompson. He is currently Arkansas's hitting coach and recruiting coordinator. Um, and this is his sixth season as hitting coach and recruiting coordinator at Arkansas. And recruiting rankings of his last six seasons at Arkansas is an average of 6.167 in the country. As high as first overall, but oh. the lowest in his entire tenure at Arkansas was 10th overall. Ooh, okay. Right. Like 10, 3, 5, 4, a couple of nines and a 10. Like that. Is he going he, downward with that? Or like No, they they have the first overall class right now. Okay, cool. Okay. Sweet. Um there have been six Arkansas players that have been drafted since he joined the team six years ago, which an average of just under three year is really not bad at all, considering he's only been on the staff for six seasons. Mm-hmm. And four out of the five seasons that have already finished, so we can't count 2023 in that, four out of the five seasons that have already finished have resulted in new hitting records for the university. Okay. So every year they have done better with the exception of one year. And I'm pretty sure that was 2020 when the season never finished. In 2022 or in 2021 and 2022, the team had more than 100 home runs for the first time, as in like first time back to back in the history of the Arkansas baseball program. And if you know anything about the University of Arkansas, they like football. But they fucking love baseball. Hell yeah. He has had six hitters on all SEC teams. And the since he joined, Arkansas has been in the top 10 in the country in the following categories. Sacrifice hits, home runs, hits, and run scored. Meaning they're putting the ball in play, getting guys not only on base, but back in the dugout in the good way. Um, He's only been on staff for six years, which makes me think that they could, uh, he could get poached, but that also means he's a young guy. So that's another positive helps relate to the high school players a little bit more. Not, I mean, he's probably in his mid to late thirties. So how much you can relate high school kids at that age, 
still probably better than a 60 year old. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I from my experience, that's true. As the further I get away from that that age group, it makes it much much harder. So yeah. Um, another thing that makes it me think that Nate Thompson could get poached, he's only currently making one hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year, which, I mean, in the grand scheme of the rest of the world, if you told me I could make one hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year. I would move Fayetteville, Arkansas. But when you're talking about for less than that. Right. Yeah. But when you're talking about the numbers getting thrown around for like Vanderbilt's pitching coach is making three quarters of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas's hitting coach is making 165. Yeah. So a couple of possible downsides. He is young, so that's a positive and a negative in some ways and has no prior head coaching experience. And Arkansas is actually his first power five job. Hmm. So, you know, do with that what you will. I don't necessarily think it's that much of a bad thing, but with the pedigree of being a head coach of an SEC program, it may be one of those things that people decide to wait until he's had some sort of head coaching experience or potentially, you know, spends more time in a power five position, you know, it is what it is on that, you know, take it or leave it. The next guy, admittedly, this is a short list, but it is from a very small school with little to no public information because it's another private school. Hmm. So Justin Hare is the head coach of the university of Campbell. Campbell University, whatever it is, and we're not talking about soup. They are the Campbell Camels. Oh, that's even better. It, it is much better. If only they had the Camel cigarette as their like mascot, as their mascot, that that would be the best. I can Although only I'm, assume that most people that are going to those games are have a camp like Camels on them, right? I'm pretty sure it's a Christian school. Uh, okay. Um, so the pros, and like I said, admittedly, this is a short list. He oh, it's in, averages, it's, it's in North Carolina. It, no matter if they're Christian or not, they definitely have tobacco on them. Sorry. I mean, they probably skip church for NASCAR races if they start early enough. Hell yeah. So at Campbell, Justin Hare averages 30 wins per season. That's not the 40 wins that we were talking about when you're talking about Scott Barry at Southern Miss, but 30 wins is still extremely impressive. He is great, great at developing every position, but especially pitchers. They've had 44 all-conference players and six All-Americans in the Big South Conference. And in his time at Campbell, he has had 21 players drafted to play professional baseball. The the one thing that could be a possible, you know, thank you next as far as his conversation with Josh Brooks would go is that he's been on staff for 16 years, so he has a lot of loyalty to the program. I mean, it was his first head coaching job, and he's literally been there for 16 years. Yeah. But it's also a private school, meaning they have – 
generally a lot more money to throw around at salaries. I could not find a salary figure for him. But Campbell is making a regional this year, which, as we all know, Georgia's baseball team is all sitting at home wondering who the next head coach is going to be. So they're doing better. Yeah. (laughs) And the last guy we're going to talk about in our doubles category is – Is is it Gertrude? I really should have asked. I should have texted Will to ask how to pronounce this name because it's obviously Cajun. I I if I if I were to guess, I would say uh, Jake Gatro. I was going to say Galtro. It's definitely a tro at the end. Yes, uh, we'll spell it for you since I don't speak Cajunese, and that is G A U T R E A U. Um. If you know how to pronounce that, please send me a message because I would love to be more informed than I currently am with how to pronounce his name. But he is currently the Mississippi State hitting coach slash recruiting coordinator. Um, 2019 National Assistant Coach of the Year. Huge honor considering all the Division I schools, which in college football there's 131, but in baseball there's over 200 Division I schools. So being one out of what you would say, there's probably four or five assistant coaches on every team. So you're talking one out of a thousand. You were the best. That's huge. Extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, he has had six players on all SEC teams and those are hitters. I did take out the pitchers from that list. In 2019, Mississippi State ranked in the top five in the country in the following categories, doubles, run scored and batting average. Okay. That's great. I'm all yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been a part of recruiting and developing seven All-Americans and nine freshman All-Americans. And in his total coaching career, he has had 37 players drafted. Half of his classes, or I, I messed that all up has recruited five different top 10 recruiting classes since 2009. So still a better level than Georgia's recruited. That uh, It's just kind of stepping up. That That's all, that's all we want to do at this point. And a big thing that I saw about Coach Jake, because I cannot pronounce his last name, <laughs> is that he left his alma mater for a bigger opportunity. He was the hitting coach at Tulane where he went and played baseball and then left to go to Mississippi state to get a bigger opportunity, which makes me think in the right situation, he could leave Mississippi state to go to a better opportunity. Definitely happened. This is the biggest possible negative segment that we've had and I don't want it to come off as I don't want him to get the job in any way shape or form I just want to come up with some stats about and not come up dig up some stats about this past season's Mississippi State team um first they didn't make the postseason just like Georgia didn't so is what it is there. But if you look at the raw batting average, they were good. 
like I want to say they had a three as a team had a three eighty batting average, which is stupid good. Yeah. But if you dig just a little bit deeper and go to some more advanced stats, not really advanced, but you know, more than just your regular box score, they had 93 more strikeouts than walks, which tells me that they swing happy. Pitches that shouldn't necessarily be strikes they're swinging at. Um, and the team had less home runs than Georgia did in 2023 by about 20 home runs. Hmm. Um, and not only that, they had a significantly lower slugging percentage than Georgia did this past season. And I will have to relook up what slugging percentage is because I forgot to write that down. So slugging percentage is total bases divided by at-bats, which total bases, if you hit a home run, that's four bases. A triple is three, a double is two, a single is one. So you take the total bases, divide that by at-bats, you get that number. Georgia, as a team, as we all know, did really well in hitting last season. They had a slugging percentage of somewhere close to 800 or 0.8, whichever way you want to look at it. Mississippi State's was a lot closer to 500. Yeah. Right. That could be players not listening to the coaching. That could be a lot of different things. But as the hitting coach, you know, as a leader, you're responsible for everything your team fails, does and fails to do. This past year's team failed to have a lot of plate discipline. Once again, I want to reiterate, I'm not saying I don't want Jake as the new head coach. Not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. I just want to make you guys as informed as I can during this coaching search, which probably won't be announced until the until the College World Series is over. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, he would probably be the most meh of all the guys that you've mentioned for sure. Like of the doubles guys, I mean, the Arkansas um, hitting coach. Like to me, again, being kind of a novice with college baseball, that sounds that sounds really intriguing. Not that offense was the problem at all, but the fact that he's been able to recruit to Fayetteville. Um, again, not that Fayetteville is a bad place, but um, for him to be able to have like these all these top ten classes and all that, it's very very impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, just to go through the list so far, any of the home run hires, sign me up tomorrow. Like I've. Don't care which one. They all seem like great hires. If I had my pick, it would either be the Vandy pitching coach, Scott Brown, or Southern Miss head coach, Scott Barry. There's a lot of Scots. And when you're talking college baseball, <laughs> not really sure why. I mean, we just fired Scott Strickland, and now we're looking at Scott Brown and Scott Barry. I just, you know, might say something about white people. I don't know. It must be all around my age because I, I went to school with a lot of Scots, so that makes sense. And then as far as the doubles hires, Nate Thompson, it, like I wanted to kind of even out the top two tiers and put three in each. But like Nate Thompson was ah, he was it, we're talking about splitting hairs when it came to putting him in the doubles versus home run hires. He's more of a triple then. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. 
Let's say that. Like okay. if you're a fast, if you're a fast batter, it's a triple. If you're a sl- like if you're a catcher, maybe a first baseman, it's a double. Mm-hmm. If you're Ozzy Albies, it's an in the park home run. But yeah, there you go. Most people aren't Ozzy Albies. Unfortunately. I know. I wish I had that hair where every time I ran, my helmet <laughs> flew off. Right. Uh, so I do want to go over our last category, and I have called this the strikeout category. And there's no names here, um, but there's just a couple of categories of potential hires. The first one is any in-house hire. And I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but this this current staff that just left Athens last week has put out mid-team after mid-team with the exception of that 2020 team that obviously never got to finish the season. Um, But 2020, Georgia was almost a lock to at least make it to Omaha in 2020. And I I really want to emphasize that as far as the legacy of Scott Strickland, because uh, um, let me find a way to relate this to football. COVID was the pass getting deflected on the goal line in the 2020 or the 2012 SEC championship game. Mm. Georgia was ranked fourth in the country in college baseball in 2020 when the season got canceled. They had three pitchers that are currently on major league staffs. They had at least two hitters that are currently on major league staffs. They led the country in home runs early in that season. When I say that this team was almost a shoe in to at least make it to Omaha, I am being dead serious. But that was really the only great team that this current staff put together. And a lot of that was the development of pitchers, which they haven't really done since, which is kind of why I'm saying any in-house hire, because I mean, maybe the hitting coach, maybe, I mean, offense was the, was the thing that kept Georgia in a lot of games this year, but I mean, I'm still, I'm still against any in-house hire. Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, all all the mid seasons that Georgia has put out, uh, excluding that 2020 season, that would be highly disappointing. That would, like you said, definitely be a strikeout. Um, if you, you know, went on this national search, search like the uh, like Josh Brooks said that they were going to do, and then just like you know what, the answer was in Athens all this whole time. That would be disappointing. That would be hiring James Coley as the offensive coordinator. Yes, yeah that that's a good that's a good analogy. So the second category of people for the strikeouts is any coach without a high level recruiting experience. Um, And I say recruiting experience because in reality, a lot of times head coach doesn't have a ton of direct developmental impact on specific players. That's more the position coach's job, which is why it's such an important thing to hire good staff. For example, Vanderbilt's pitching coach makes more than Georgia's head coach did because he's so fucking good at his job. Like that mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. But as far as you know, without high level recruiting experience, 
I looked into, you know, a couple D2 coaches for a minute. Um, I did. I saw the West Georgia head baseball coach's name thrown around on a list. But you've got to be able to recruit in the SEC. Yeah. So, and that that's kind of why I didn't throw any of those names into the hat here. I just, Georgia has the money. Georgia has the facilities. You've, you have a talented state. And with the money the university has, you can go to any state to get players. Mm-hmm. You just, you just got to figure out what your lane is and drive down it like you're getting chased by the cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no there's no reason why they should be like doing like bargain bin type stuff. Like you shouldn't be going to division two or anything like that. Like there's no there's no reason for it for a school that had that is um financially you know set as Georgia. I mean they're one of the you know it's it's Georgia and Texas that has like the most money to basically to work with like the most fiscally responsible that 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 can pay out these uh these fees and want to be competitive like it like we've talked about georgia should be more than a football school like we're like you know you've mentioned it's a most things school like we're you know decent at you know most things outside of basketball which that should be a better thing going forward but there's no reason georgia should be you know scraping the bottom of the barrel and just taking chances on guys like you should be able to hit on whoever it is that you want to get at this level of uh, collegiate, you know, baseball. There's no reason to take chances. Yeah, when you have, when you have two tennis teams that made the national tournament, and not only made the national tournament, one went to the final four, one went to the elite eight. When your softball team makes it to a super regional, when your indoor and outdoor track and field team is regularly winning national championships. I mean, your equestrian team is regular, regularly in the national championship tournament. And then you have baseball that is just hard to watch at times. Yeah. Like as a university, as an athletic program, they can do better. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it's not necessarily a, 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 a revenue sport necessarily. You can make it that way. Other schools, like again, like Vandy puts out money for it as probably you know, more often that like maybe your third most popular sport at, at school, like you should be better than what Georgia has been putting out over the, like this millennium really. And Georgia has, I mean, Georgia, like I said, has multiple players currently in major league baseball. Mm. And not only that there, I mean, at the games that I've been to, it's almost always full or 80% capacity. Yeah. You could easily start to make money off of it. And I would say after one or two good seasons, you could get that you could get more i mean nil support you could get more donors I, like if the team was good and we still lived in athens we would get season tickets yeah like mm-hmm. we went to multiple baseball games every season that we lived close to athens it's it's very much one of those things where the fan base is hungry to have something this time of year you just have to give us a reason. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
So that is it for the uh, baseball head coach talk that we're going to do tonight. I'm sure once a name gets announced or maybe some names get leaked that they're talking about, we will talk about the head coaching search again. But we do want to, like we said at the top, take a moment and recognize some fallen service members for Memorial Day. Um, But I've seen... Every year I see stuff get thrown around about, you know, Memorial Day is more than just a long weekend where you can drink and cook out and all that kind of stuff. And most of you guys know that I am I'm a veteran. I mean, I mentioned it in this episode that I've deployed to Afghanistan. I personally lost some friends, um, but I will say almost anyone that went to war and didn't come home would want you to have a good time on this weekend. I will say that most of them would be happy that people are going to the beach, cooking out, spending time with their friends, all the stuff they didn't have an opportunity to do. But if you haven't previously in future years on this weekend, just take a moment to, to think about that because like I said, I've, I've, personally have lost many friends um but we do want to read some names off that some listeners of ours have sent in to you know just give these guys a a moment of recognition for memorial day um so we i mean we are going in chronological order so the first one is private richard dunn korea 1953 um specialist michael stokely iraq 2005 staff sergeant charlie bagwell afghanistan 2007 first lieutenant weston lee iraq 2017 sergeant first class will Lindsay, afghanistan 2019 uh sergeant joseph collette afghanistan 2019 sergeant major james sarter afghanistan 2019 And then this last name has a lot of personal meaning to me because it was a friend of mine that um, may have told this story before, but in high school, I was legitimately close to 300 pounds, decided I wanted to join the army. This guy was a few years older than me, really took me under his wing, um, not just encouraged me, but helped me to lose the weight to joined the military um, and he was supposed to deploy with us in 2019, had to stay back home for some family stuff, Um, ended up taking his own life while we were in Afghanistan in 2019. Um, And I would not be the person or I wouldn't be the person I am, or I mean, honestly, I probably never would have had the opportunity to be in the military without, um, Sergeant Jordan Gonzalez took his life, like I said, in 2019. So I I really wanted to uh, just put some emphasis on those guys because, I mean, like I said, five of those names I was friends with. And uh, it's tough this time of year. And to be honest with you, I mean, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. Uh, we'll be back in a second for uh, for closing. So, as always, Instagram is at nothing.finer.pod. 
Twitter's at FinerPod. Facebook and YouTube, search us there. Um, the shop will be up for at least another week. So if you want anything from our shop, please go to nothingfinerpod.com. But we are making some changes to the website to uh, to feature some articles written by us or some listeners. So if you're interested in sending anything in like that, just go send it to uh, nothingfinerpod at gmail.com. Um, but as always, guys, remember, there is nothing finer in the land. Than a trunk obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown.